As we said, as we mentioned earlier, we, uh, we continue to go through the Gospel of Mark um, as we just work verse by verse through the Gospel of Mark. And, and, and kind of the overarching theme, if you will, of the Gospel of Mark is this idea of the authority of Jesus. Now, I'm not sure what the conversation sounded like at your table, uh, but our table, we all kind of agree that for us, when we hear the word of authority, it's not always necessarily something positive that came to our mind. Um, and, and so we, we don't have to look far to see in our, in our nation, in our culture, in our world, uh, those who might abuse positions and places of authority. And so it's important to make a distinction that what we see in the Gospel of Mark, what we see in Scripture, is that Jesus always uses his authority, always uses his authority for the benefit of others. Let me say that again because it's really, really important. Jesus always uses his authority, always, without exception, to benefit, to bless, to help other people. In fact, it's really interesting as you, uh, as you go through the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll never find Jesus doing anything for himself. Now think about that. Um, uh, I've read through the New Testament this year and did that last year, and I just always kind of challenged myself, will this be the year I find something? And I never have. Like you never find an instance where Jesus uses his power or authority for his own benefit. I mean, it, he is, the Bible never says he was hungry, so boom, he made a taco, right? Or, or he, was, he was tired, and so he, boom, gave himself energy. You never see it. But Jesus pours himself out and uses all his authority to bless and help others. And by the way, that should be the picture of authority in the world we live in, Amen. Authority should always be used to benefit and help other people. Whenever authority begins to work inwards upon itself, trouble is quickly to follow. And so uh, we're going to continue to look at the authority of Jesus and how he uses it to benefit others and how he wants to use it this morning to benefit you and I. So I want to invite you to turn uh, to the Gospel of Mark, uh, chapter 4. We're going to begin in verse 35, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 4. Uh, help yourself to a Bible there on the table. It's page... Anybody got the page number? 1,006. 1,006. There you go. 1,006. And we're just going to spend just a few moments looking at, uh, at two examples of Jesus using his authority to help someone else. So we're going to pick up at Mark chapter 4, beginning in verse 35. And uh, this is a true story, and let's see what happened. All right, beginning in verse 35. Now that day, when evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, Let's go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him, meaning Jesus, along, just as he was in the boat. And there were also other boats with him. Now a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat, so that it was nearly swamped. Now Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. 
And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? And Jesus got up and rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? And they were terrified. And they asked one another, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? Now they went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. And when Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Now this man lived in the tombs, and no one could bind him any more, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. And no one was strong enough to subdue him. And night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of Jesus. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? In God's name, please don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Now a large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. And the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them. And Jesus gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. And the herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Now those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons, and he was sitting there, dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man, and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. Now as Jesus was getting back into a boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis, how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is true, that it is alive. And Jesus, we pray now in these next few moments as we study, uh, study your word, we pray that by your Holy Spirit you would open our minds and give us understanding. We pray, Holy Spirit, and ask that you would soften our hearts, that we might be changed by your word. Speak to us, we humbly ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Pretty amazing stories, yeah? Pretty amazing stories. And we see the authority of Jesus in practice, the authority of Jesus being exercised. Now, this word authority comes up at different points in the Gospel of Mark. It says that he taught with one who had 
authority. And so I want us to be reminded of what the word authority means here in the Gospel of Mark. Uh, so um, the, the Bible, this part of the Bible, the New Testament, was originally written in a language called Greek. We have an English translation of it. Um, and the Greek is, is a very rich language. And, and this word authority in the, in the Greek is asusia, and it, it means this. It means delegated power, influence, and right. The power of one whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. All right? This is what it means when we say Jesus had authority. So first of all, we see that his, his authority had been delegated to him, right? And so we know that God the Father uh, delegated authority to God the Son. And so Jesus operates under the authority of the Father. Jesus says that I and the Father are one. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father, right? And so this authority is, is not somehow where Jesus just takes it upon himself. Um, uh, I, uh, this was probably about a year and a half or two years ago. For fun, I found this, I found this website that, uh, that sells movie props. And so I bought uh, a badge for uh, an officer for Interpol, like the international police thing, and it looks really, really, really real. It's, it's quite spectacular, actually. And so um, we... Uh, I don't know if I should tell this story. Yeah, go on then, I'll tell you. So um, we, uh, we were in London... And, um, and we're walking down the mile towards Buckingham Palace. Are you with me? If you've ever been in London or seen on TV where they do all that stuff there. And we're walking, and I was desperate to find a toilet. And so I look over, and they were filming. I know, but it doesn't get any worse than that. And so they were filming. A, um, a BBC was filming a TV show right there on the mall. And so they had, it was all fenced off, and they had all these trailers and, like, you know, people doing stuff. And I look, and I see this really posh, huge trailer, and it says men's facilities. And, and I couldn't get in because it's, you know, and so I walked over, and I happened to have this badge with me. And so uh, Max and Chris, I think Kayla was with us, and so they're like, you're not going to do this. And I'm like, this is happening. And so I walk over, and I just pull out the little Interval badge, and I went, can I use the toilet? And the security guard goes, of course you can, and opens up, and I go in. By the way, nicest toilet I've ever been in in my life was this BBC trailer. And so I never said I was a police officer. And so I, I come out, and, um, and as I'm coming out, security guard's there, and he's like, uh, yeah, it's been a long day, hasn't it? And I'm like, yeah, it really has, you know, and I don't know what to say to this guy. And then I just, you know, jump back over the fence, and I'm gone. Now, um, and that's the only way I've ever used that badge ever was to use a toilet, the BBC trailer. And, and I did tell the guy, I said, by the way, it's, it's not a real badge. And he started laughing. He said, I would have let you use the toilet anyways. And so here's the thing. You can have a badge, but it doesn't give you any authority. Because the authority is not in a badge. The authority is in the oath and the power that's been delegated to you that allows you to carry a badge. Does that make sense? Right? Anyone can say they're anything, but it doesn't make it so. The authority Jesus has is delegated to him by God the Father, right? That, that, that's why Jesus has the authority. But then look what it, it means here in the Greek. The power of one whose will and commands must be submitted to by others and obeyed. Now, I find that really, really interesting because in these two stories, that's definitely the case. Like, 
the, the, the wind and the waves must listen. The demonic must listen. And yet Jesus allowed people to not follow him. Isn't that interesting? That he had the authority to make people follow him, but he didn't use it in that way. Uh, in fact, many more people said no to Jesus than said yes to Jesus. Is that true? Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, loads of people who Jesus even healed and did things for. I mean, uh, he heals 10 lepers and only one comes back, right? He, he, he meets the young rich ruler and he tells the young rich ruler, here's what you must do to follow me. And he says no, and the Bible says he goes away sad. So I find it this beautiful thing here that Jesus has the power to force people to follow him, but he doesn't use it in that way. Again, remember, authority is always used for the benefit of others. And so he doesn't, he doesn't force people to follow him, but he calls people to follow him. Let me say that again. Jesus doesn't force anyone to be his disciple, but he calls people to be his disciple. So let's look at uh, what it means for you and I, because the disciples are with him in all of these experiences. What does it mean for you and I to be a part of the experience of the authority of Jesus. Three simple things, and here they are. Uh, number one, as a disciple, we experience the peace of Jesus. As a disciple, as disciples, we experience the peace of Jesus. Uh, in this familiar story, uh, we see Jesus uh, rebukes the wind and the waves. The Bible makes it clear. I mean, it's, it's a squall. I think some translations say it was a tempest. Think a hurricane. I mean, the boat is going to sink, right? We're not talking a, a little rain shower. This is a tempest. This is a storm. The waves are breaking over the boat, and the boat is going to sink. And so Jesus, oddly enough, is asleep in the stern. They wake Jesus up, and Jesus speaks to the wind of the waves, and he says, quiet, be still. Some translations say, peace, be still. Right, peace be still. He, he he speaks to the wind and the waves. Now, uh, we we mentioned earlier that the Greek is this really rich language. So, for example, in the Greek, there are four words for love. Right? How many words do we have in English for love? Just one. So I might say, uh, I love Max. I love pizza, and I love Aston Villa. Now, do I love them in all the same way? No, I hope not, right? Uh, one of those is a big disappointment and two are not, right? Max, you're okay. Yeah. Pizza's great. Villa, right? And so there are multiple words for peace in the Bible, in the New Testament. And it's really important we know the word here. So, for example, Philippians chapter 4. The Apostle Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, he says, that we can experience the peace that passes all understanding, right? And here Jesus says, peace be still. They're two completely different words, but in English we translate them both peace. But they're different, and the difference is important. So let me tell you what this word means here. This word here, for, and the NIV does well, actually, by saying quiet, peace be still. It's the word they used in Greek to describe what the process of forcibly making someone be quiet. That's a really odd word, so let me say that again. It's the word to describe the process of forcibly 
making someone be quiet. So if I were to come up behind one of you and forcibly put my hand over your mouth and hold it really firmly, you wouldn't be able to speak. Are you with me? Okay, that's the word here where Jesus speaks to the wind of the waves and tells them, quiet, hush. He forcibly tells them to be quiet. Okay, now in that context, the quiet results in peace. Okay, here's the idea. Here's the idea. Oftentimes in our life, we experience turmoil because of the lies that we listen to in the world around us. Let me say that again. Oftentimes, we lack inner peace. We experience turmoil, right, because we listen to the lies in the world around us. And so what this is saying is Jesus alone has the ability to stop the lies and to speak truth. So let me give you some examples. And I'll begin by asking you a question. What are some lies, and please don't answer out loud, what are some lies that you've believed? What are some lies that you have believed? So maybe you've grown up believing that you're not good enough. Maybe you believe that you're just not good enough, that no matter what you do, you'll never be good enough for your mom or dad. Maybe you've grown up believing you're not pretty enough. You just can't be skinny enough. You just can't be tall enough. And you'll always be the ugliest one in the room. Maybe you've grown up believing that you're not smart enough. You didn't do good in school. You tried your best, but you'll never be the smartest one in the room. In fact, you're, you're just dumb. Maybe you've grown up believing a lie that says you're not worthy of being loved. No one loves you, and actually, fair enough, because you're not worthy to be loved. What lies have maybe you been told? We're surrounded by lies on TV. We need to look a certain way. We need to drive a certain car. We need to live in a certain neighborhood. We need to wear certain clothes. And here's what this word means. It means Jesus alone has the ability to stop those voices and to speak truth. Let me say that again. This word means that Jesus alone has the ability to muzzle those mouths and to speak truth to your heart. So Jesus would would say to all of those lies that I just spoke, peace. It's not a nice phrase, but I'll, I'll say it. It's, it's the Greek way of saying shut up. Jesus would look at all of that and say shut it. And then Jesus would speak truth. And here's what truth would sound like. You are good enough. Because you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You're made in the image of God and you are beautiful. It doesn't matter what you weigh. It doesn't matter how tall you are. It doesn't matter what your GCSEs were. It doesn't matter how athletic you are. It doesn't matter how much money you make. You are loved, and Jesus loves you and cares about you, and he wants to be your best friend, 
and your brother and your savior and your king, and he died for you, and you are amazing. There is no one in the history of the universe that's ever been nor will be just like you. You are amazing. Peace be still. That's this word. And maybe you've come in this morning and there are lies that you have carried for decades. And sometimes you're able to push them down and and sometimes you can turn down the volume and they're not quite as loud, but other times the, the volume comes right back up and it bubbles to the surface and you are swept away in the storm of I'm not good enough and I'm not loved and I'm not worthy. And I want you to know that this morning... Jesus wants to look at you and say, peace, be still, and muzzle that and replace it with truth. And the Bible says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. The truth is, you are fearfully and wonderfully made, and Jesus loves you, and you come as you are, and he'll do all the rest. Amen, church? And here's what I've discovered in my life. That's not a one-time thing for me. I wish I could just pray that prayer one time in the next 20 years, I would be good, right? It doesn't work that way because the enemy is always coming at me. TV is always coming at me. The world is always coming at me, trying to get me to believe something that is not true. And so I must constantly renew my mind. I must constantly come back to this book and say, no, 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 it doesn't matter what I feel, it doesn't matter what I think, it doesn't matter what people say, this is the truth. This is the truth. And so I just want to just spend time in this book because this is the truth that muzzles the lies in my life. Does that make sense? This is the truth. This is the muzzle that muzzles the mouth of lies in my life. And so, uh, as a disciple of Jesus, uh, we experience his peace. Uh, Secondly, we see this, that as his disciples, we experience the power of Jesus. That as his disciples, we experience the power of Jesus. An amazing story by any account. They, They weather the storm. Jesus speaks peace. They get to the other side of the lake, and as soon as they uh, disembark, who is there to greet them but a man who's demon-possessed? And and the Bible says that this man has been living in the tombs. He's been living in a cemetery. Uh, Another gospel says that he has no clothes. Um, and, And so imagine here's a man who basically has reverted back to an animal state. He has no clothing. Um, he, he just runs and screams. He cuts himself, right? He, he has amazing strength. By the way, all, all characteristics we see in, in demon possession and demon oppression, hurting himself, self-harm, all of these things. And, and here's what I always think of when I think of, of this guy. This is someone's son. And this is someone's son. Can you imagine being his parents and everyone in town knows that you're the mom and dad of that guy? Imagine the shame this family has carried. Imagine the heartbreak and pain they've carried. They had big plans for their son. They had hopes and dreams, and and now he lives 
up in the tombs and he yells and screams at night and he runs around with no clothing like a wild animal. No one can contain him. And then Jesus shows up, this carpenter from Galilee. He gets off the boat and of all the people who recognize Jesus, it's this guy. It's the demonic. And they come to Jesus, and it's interesting because what is their posture? Their posture is one of begging. Look at verse 6 in your Bible. And when he, meaning the man, saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. And he shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? He, he actually recognizes who Jesus is better than his own disciples. In God's name, don't torture me. He begins to plead with Jesus because he alone, probably at that moment, knows the real power and authority of Jesus better than anyone. And Jesus had said to him, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what is your name? Now, he's not speaking to the man at this point. He's speaking to the demon inside the man. The answer, my name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of this hair. Can you picture this? The disciples have just come off the boat. Here's Jesus, and now this, this naked, demon-possessed, wild man has fallen at, his, at the feet of Jesus and is begging Jesus. And I would only imagine the only two people who know what's going on is Jesus and this guy. I imagine no one else, I, I would probably be back in the boat, right, with my badge. Like, that, that, you know, that, that this is like, this is crazy stuff going on, right? And so, uh, we know what happens. They ask Jesus, Jesus, will you send us into the pigs? He does. The pigs run down into the lake and drown themselves. And, um, and the people's response is, would you please leave? Would you please leave? We see the power of Jesus, the power of Jesus. And, and I want to submit to you and I that just as this morning you can experience the peace of Jesus that speaks truth to all the lies the enemy would try to get you to believe, that, that you and I can also experience the power of Jesus in our life. The, the Bible says in Romans 1.16 that the gospel is the power of God unto salvation, first to the Jew and then to the and, and, and that word power in Romans 1.16 is the word we get our English word dynamite from. It, it's powerful. It's dynamite. And you and I can experience the power of Jesus as his disciples. Now, I want to frame this in a real world kind of, kind of situation. Now, I definitely believe that, man, we, that through the power of the Holy Spirit, that, that God can empower us to do the miraculous and to do amazing things. Um, so I'm not dismissing that in any way, but I want to maybe think of it in a, in, in a very practical way, and it's this. Just that peace be still means to speak truth to lies that we believe. The power of the gospel gives us the ability to say no to the sin and temptation that surrounds us. To say no to the sin and temptation that surrounds us. I asked you a moment ago, what is a lie that you might be tempted to believe? Let me ask you this. What is a temptation that you might be uh, uh, tempted to give into? What, what, what are those things in your life that, that you know are just tempting for you? Maybe it's, and, and I don't know if you're like me, 
But, but have you ever been in that place where you just feel like, I'll never beat this thing. Like, I will never have victory over this. Like, I just won't. So, so maybe it's lust, and, you, and you just, you've come to a point, you're like, like I, I just can't imagine my life without it. Like, I, I've, I've prayed, and, and I've done everything I, I know to do, but I just can't imagine not looking at that or not thinking about that. Maybe it's greed, and you just think, I, I, I just come to a point, like, I would love to be generous, but just everything in me just wants to get stuff for myself, and I just, I, I don't know how to fight it. Maybe it's bitterness, and you're like, man, I've tried to forgive, and, and, and I've tried to move past it, but I just can't. And, and, and that bitterness is just there, and I can't ever imagine forgiving that person. What is, what is that thing, that stronghold in your life that you just think, I can never seem to get victory? Maybe you're like me, and you've even quit asking for forgiveness because you're like, I know that the Lord must be tired of hearing me confess that same sin. I've confessed it a thousand times, and I know and he knows I'm probably going to do it again, and so why bother? You ever been there? And I just want you to know today that just as you and I can experience the peace and truth of Jesus and the lies that we're told, we can experience freedom through the power of the gospel. Amen? Now, does that mean that we live sinless lives? Of course not. Of course not. But can we live victorious lives? Yes, we can. Let me say that again, because I think there is a distinction. Can we live sinless lives? Of course not. But can we live victorious lives? Yes, we can. Through the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, Vicky showed us earlier a pumpkin seed. It was, it was about yay big, right? Wasn't it? You ever seen a mustard seed? About five mustard seeds could cover a pumpkin seed. A, a mustard seed is in the millimeters, small. And Jesus said, if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you could say to that mountain, go to the ocean, and it would go. Now, do I think we need to go to the Peak District and try that? Probably not. But do I believe Jesus is telling us that through the power of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit, he can accomplish amazing things more than we could ever think or ask? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can you have victory over that temptation? Yes, you can. Can you have victory over bitterness? Yes, you can. But only through the power of Jesus. And so how then do we experience the power of Jesus? Back to his word. Right? Back to his word. The gospel is the power of God into salvation. And where do I experience the gospel? In his word. In his word. How do I experience the power of Jesus? By being filled with the Holy Spirit. How am I filled with the Holy Spirit? By spending time in his word. Right? So we, uh, we just got back from France. We were there uh, all week. I was there for a meeting and was able to take Christy and Max. And um, we, we arrived in Paris on Monday. And uh, so we had to hire a car to drive down to Strasbourg, which is about five hours and so um, I go in to, uh, to the, the desk to speak to the lady about the car, and I've, uh, I've um, hired like this Renault. So I think it had two seats, but I'm not sure. It was like this little bitty French car. And so I'm talking to the lady, and I'm trying to use all the French that I know, which is horrendous. I think I asked, where is the croissant in the toilet? I'm pretty sure I said that at some point. And so I'm trying to use some French, and she's loving it. She thinks it is hilarious with my American accent. 
And so she does her thing, and then she says in this beautiful French-English uh, accent, she says, um, I have upgraded you to a very nice car. And I'm like, uh, no, no, no. And she's like, wee, wee, wee. And, um, and, uh, and I'm, like, no, you, I'm like, you don't have to do that. And she's like, no, I really want to because, you know, you're, you've had a good, you've been patient. And, you know, and I'm like, okay. And so we get in the car, and it's, it's this brand-new MG huge thing, and it's electric hybrid. It looked like a starship. Like, and so, and, and Christy and Matt will tell you, non-exaggeration, we sat there for 30 minutes, and I couldn't figure out how to cut the car on. And it was so humbling. I eventually had to go and get a guy, and I'm like, parlez-vous anglais? And he's like, mm. And so he, I'm like, um, I, I can't get the car started. And I'm like, me, no, you know. And, and so uh, that's my good French. And so... Um, yeah, and so he shows me how to start it. And so last night, we're coming back from Strasbourg to Paris to get our flight. And um, uh, the two of them had kind of dozed off a wee bit. And so I'm driving. And so I'm the only one who knows this thing has come up on the car and says, you got nothing left. You can't really go any further. And we're going down the motorway. And I begin to pray. And I'm like, yeah, Lord, I don't understand what's happening but this is saying we're about to run out of juice. And, um, and so we, uh, we keep going, and then finally they see, they're like, should all those things be flashing? And I'm like, oh, that's probably normal. And, and, and so it had shown, and I didn't tell them this before they'd fallen asleep, that we only had like 15 kilometers left, and on the sat-nav it said we had 40 kilometers to go. And so um, we, we, just, we almost coasted in, to, uh, to, to be okay. Here's my point to that story. Batteries need charging. Cars need fuel. And your faith is no different. Our faith, our belief in Jesus needs charging up. We need fuel. Uh, if you just try to go out there and serve God and spend no time in prayer in the word, you will quickly run out of Jesus. My point being, this is where we get charged up. Amen, Christian? This is where we get fueled up. This is where we get charged up. That's why we come to a gathering like this. this. We've said many times, we're not here because this is a museum for saints. We're here because this is a hospital for sinners. Like, we're here because we're all broken, and we're just here to gather around this book and be energized and charged back up with the power of the gospel. Lastly, we see this, that as a disciple, we experience the peace, the power of Jesus. But finally, we see this, as his disciples, we proclaim the good news of Jesus. There's peace, there's power, but there's proclamation. Um, look what happens. Now, this man who has been out of his mind, and we, we don't know how long, uh, it, I would imagine quite a while. The Gospels hint at that. And, and then we, we see this. Look at verse 18. Verse 18 says, As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been, I love that, had been, past tense, as his old life, had been demon-possessed, begged to go with him. I imagine we all would. But Jesus, very oddly, did not let him, but instead said, Go home to your own people and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. And how he has had mercy on you. 
So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And how many of the people? All the people were amazed. Jesus said, I I want you to know my peace. I want you to know my power. But then I'm calling you to go and proclaim that to a world who needs to hear it. See, here's the thing. There are uh, millions of people who need the peace of Jesus. There are uh, millions of people who need the power of Jesus. When I say millions, I just mean in the West Midlands. I don't mean around the world. I just mean where we live every day. There are people who need the peace and power of Jesus, and you and I have the immense privilege of proclaiming that to others. And here's the thing. Did the man then go to Bible college? No. Did he go and take a training course? No. What did the man do? Jesus said what? Go home to your own people and preach four sermons a week on the ecclesiastical dispensational beliefs of the Neo-Phoenicians. Amen. Thank you. I've wanted to say that for a very long time, Paul. Is that what, the, is that what Jesus said? Jesus said, just go and tell people what I did for you. You think it was hard for that guy to do? Yeah, everybody say no. You were the naked demon guy. Now you're the clothed sane guy. Not hard for you to tell your story, right? Sometimes we, we make things so complicated, and actually what it means to proclaim the good news of Jesus is just simply telling people what Jesus did for you. That's it. I heard someone say this, that sharing the gospel is simply one beggar telling another beggar where to get a loaf of bread. Just one beggar telling another beggar where to get a loaf of bread. Jesus says, just go and tell people what I've done for you. Because the power is not in the messenger. The power is in the message. Amen. So, Let me ask you a couple of questions. We'll pray and dismiss. Question number one. Is there a lie that you've been believing that you need to replace with truth? Is there a lie that you've been believing that you need to replace with truth? And if so, name it. You don't need to share that with anyone but you and Jesus. It could be a lie that goes all the way back to your childhood. My parents divorced when I was about seven. Um, My dad left, left us. And my mom quickly turned to drugs and alcohol. And by about the age of eight, I grew up believing that there was something in me that must not be lovable. Because if I was lovable, why did my dad leave us? If I was lovable, why does my mom stay in a drunken stupor? There must be something wrong with me. I believed that lie for decades. What's the lie that you've been believing? Is, is, second question. Is there a temptation that you just can't seem to get victory of? Is there a temptation you just can't seem to get victory of? 
And if so, name it. And say, Lord, I believe in the power of the gospel. I believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. Would you give me victory over that? And then lastly, who do you need to tell your story to? Who do you need to tell your story to? Maybe it's a neighbor. Maybe it's a coworker. There's someone you just need to say, hey, I just want to tell you what Jesus did for me. We were flying back last night, and, and uh, um, the plane was packed. We're on Air France. We're flying back to Birmingham last night. And so the three of us, we couldn't sit together. Haley and Max ended up together, and I ended up with this mom and her daughter. And um, we had just boarded the plane, and uh, we don't even have our seatbelts on. And the, the girl is 10, and she's wearing Mickey Mouse, Minnie Mouse, Minnie Mouse ears with like a, a ribbon bow thing. And I looked over, and I said, can I ask you a question? And she kind of looked at her mom, and her mom said, yeah. And I said, have you been to Disneyland Paris? And her mouth did not stop moving until we got off the plane in Birmingham. The only time her mouth quit moving was so that her mama's mouth could move. And the two of them were non-stop. The whole, I was waiting for the oxygen mask to fall because they were sucking all the air out of the, you know. And I immediately felt the Lord saying, Talk about me. Talk about me. Man, I, my palms started sweating. My tummy started rumbling. As long as we were talking about Disneyland, I was just fine. Now, I don't know if you're like that, but all of a sudden when the thought occurs to start talking about Jesus, I just start getting nervous and anxious. But Jesus helped me. And I prayed. I had plenty of time to pray because they were talking. And I just prayed and said, Lord, I, I don't know exactly how to squeeze this in to this conversation, but would you help me? And, and I did a bit of that. It's just us looking for opportunities to tell people where they can find peace and power that all of us need. Amen? Amen. Let me pray for us. Jesus, thank you that you have all authority in heaven and under heaven, that all authority belongs to you. And Jesus, thank you that because of your authority, we can experience your peace. But it's not simply calmness, but it's, it's knowing and hearing truth. And, and Jesus, I want to pray um, for us this morning, Lord, and I would imagine many of us have identified lies that we've believed maybe for a long time. And Jesus, I just want to pray that you, through your word, would speak truth into those lies and that you would muzzle the lies in our life. You would quiet those voices, that we would hear them no longer, and that we would hear truth, and that is we are made in your image and that you love us. Jesus, I want to pray that uh, you would help us to not simply resist temptation, but to have victory over it. All of us are tempted in various ways, and we fail continually. Thank you that you continually forgive us, that your, your mercies are new every morning. But would you give us power to live the victorious life you've called us to? We cannot do it without your help. 
And then lastly, Jesus, would you help us to simply tell others what you've done for us? I know it makes me nervous and anxious, but but Jesus, you will help us in those moments to do it. Lord, forgive us for overcomplicating that. I know I have. We just simply need to tell people how good you are. Jesus, we love you. Thank you for your authority. Thank you that you always use it to bless and benefit others. And we're here today because of that truth. We love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen.